Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. So we are here with Amy Gutterson. I'm so excited to have you on. It's like a big deal. Like we've just known each other for so long. So it's, it's online. Exciting. Online. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have Through a lot Facebook. of those here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you're just like doing everything that I love, which is like combining Hasidus with art and creativity and education. I mean, it's really incredible. So you run the school, uh, or for listeners that don't know, Amy runs a school called Sohar. And um, how many students do you have there? Well, it's called Sohar Seminary. It used to be called Sohar Seminary for Hasidus in the Arts, but we kind of cut that off. (laughs) Um, We actually are at the biggest we've ever been at. We have 26 students right now. So, and we're in our sixth year. Sixth year. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's felt long, but short at the same time. And um, every year has had its own challenges, and certainly starting it has had its own own challenges so right so you um, teach it's a seminary for their 18 and older or yes um so it's a post high school program uh Uh most seminaries well that are not chabad are in israel but as Uh we know um, a lot of chabad seminaries are across the world so like there's one in milan and australia etc and i happen to be living in pittsburgh originally i'm a new yorker so pittsburgh Mm -hmm. was feeling a little small to me and um i after my kids we're more grown and in school. I said, I have time for something else. I do have to backtrack and give you some info but sure. before that. But um, but Sohar has been around for six years, and it's a post-high school seminary for... It started out for Chabad girls, mm-hmm. but it's really kind of branching out to other neighborhoods, such as Lakewood and oh, really? kids who are from more modern Orthodox backgrounds. Wow. So, That's cool. Yeah, and they're coming, some of them, and learning Hasidut for the first time. Wow. And um, unfortunately, a lot of them are learning the arts for the first time, and that—that's really the point of Sohar Seminary. So, cool. So, you, uh, how's it structured exactly? It's they—they they learn Hasidic and art separately, or how, like, what's the what's their day look like? I guess. So um, the day is quite interesting and very packed. Uh, it starts out with um, davening and morning pages. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. So morning oh pages is That's I know cool. I know you know what morning pages <laughs> are because you live with someone who does morning pages. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say she's gonna be really happy when she was. Yes, there. <laughs> and I think they're vital to personal growth, um, but particularly for these young women who are leaving home for the first time, right. first time that they're away from their parents telling them what to do and their teachers mm-hmm. in their schools telling them what to do. They start their day with writing three pages of whatever's in their head. And at first, it's just brain drain, whatever goes on the page, whatever's there, whatever's, you know, irritations of their roommates or being away from home or fears, etc. But it becomes over time um, a way for them to get in touch with themselves and to see themselves mm-hmm. for the first time. What, what's in my head? What do I have to offer? Uh, what is my personal growth? So they keep up with that through the year. And I've had graduates, you know, call me and let me know they're still doing them, which gives me a lot of nachas, <laughs> I have to say. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, the more mainstream, quote unquote, ways of doing spiritual growth are, growth are mixed in with um, the uh, religious world's 
personal growth. So um, that com- combined with davening. And then the mornings are mostly focused on learning chas- chasidus, chasidut, however you want to say it, <laughs> um, where the girls are, it, even if they've come from Chabad schools where they're learning that, they really feel that they're learning it for the first time and for themselves. It's not for a test. Mm. It's for their connection with God and the universe and their purpose in the world. And they have an amazing uh, rabbi and teacher who's the main teacher is uh, and, and the principal is Rabbi um, Aaron Herman. And so he and I have put this program together. We have other teachers as well. Um, Rabbi Chase Taub is one of the instructors. Oh, yeah. wow. so, so in the mornings, they're mostly focused on learning Hasidus and Torah and Halacha. And then in the afternoons, they're focused on studying the arts. And when I say the arts, they do all the arts. They do mm. creative writing, playwriting and screenwriting, theater, filmmaking, music, dance, art and photography. So, and I said filmmaking. Yeah. So we just throw them into the whole creative process and we figure where have they gotten to explore these things in their yeshivas? Maybe they've had an art class. Maybe their parents (laughs) have given them a piano lesson or a dance class, but really, you know, they're not coming from, they're not balei tshuva. They're not coming from the outside world where perhaps they could explore whatever they wanted in their public schools. They didn't have it. So we're really immersing them in the artistic process and giving them a lot of channels. So a girl who thinks, oh, I'm really good in visual art Mm. may discover filmmaking. And we've had that happen. Girls who've gone on to become filmmakers and writers and editors and um, create their own music and performance, etc. So we're only six years, but there's still already a track record of what people are doing, you know, with the, the new skills that they gain. I know a lot of uh, a lot of David Carpell's students who David who writes for us. He he talks about. I know because he wrote for Hevria. He wrote um, an article about us. Right, right. Because he, I mean, he talks about it quite a bit. That yeah, he's so excited when his students go there. Yeah, I'm hoping he'll send his daughter one day. So (laughs) right, I'm (laughs) sure that'd be nice. Um, Wow. Okay. Great. So so initially, I'd say it's changed over time, but initially, it's always I think when you start something. Maybe people who don't have anything to lose to try out something new, you know, <laughs> they're just not fitting in the system. Um, I think more over time, also what we planned it to be has changed and grown. Um, so, but I, I'd say the students have changed over time somewhat. Um, and I'd say from year to year, there's a difference, a real difference. But we initially started it as a place for religious young women to study the arts and develop their talents in a kosher place mm. while they're learning Hasidus, very nice, <laughs> in a package. And what we discovered is the combination of learning Hasidus and exploring creatively, um, along with their morning pages, has created incredible personal growth, um, kind of in leaps and bounds, putting the two together. That's so interesting. So, yeah. so what you're saying is like before it was like an art school for Hasidic women or religious women in the um, original thought process right <laughs> until we did it <laughs> and so now it like what you're seeing is that the two seem to work together in some way to to create what's the, what's the result exactly like that so i kind of have to describe the first semester a little i did um describe the morning pages and that being a part of their day but um their the end of the first semester they create a project that they present um and the event is called Hasidic Art and Identity mm. and they take a Hasidic concept that they connect to 
that feels like it's connected to their personal growth and they're working on that also, I have them write three lists. What are some Hasidic concepts that really spoke to you, mm-hmm. you know, really made you excited? What are you working on personally in your growth? And the third column is, of all the arts you've just been exposed to, what might you consider expressing yourself in? So for the first semester, girls do jump out of their comfort zone. We've had original poems, original songs, dances, poetry, films, um, all kinds of things. Um, Art paintings are a big thing. Um, And they work toward this. It it takes a while because first they're just studying Hasidus, they're studying all these new arts until they start to put them together. Once they put them together, I think that's where the growth is because it can't just be an intellectual lesson that they've learned. They say, what does this mean in my life? Mm -hmm. How am I going to express it? And I think it's the first time that they realize I have something to say Mm -hmm. and I have something to say as an artist. So it's not just I'm learning some skills, I'm learning how to paint and copy something. What am I saying through my art? And I'm doing it almost immediately, and it's connected to a deep Hasidic concept, but it's also through me, and only I can do it in this way. So if I understand correctly, you're saying that they're learning this Hasidus, but there's something about the process of expressing specifically that Hasidus through art that encourages personal growth? Am I, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, it's weaving the three together that mm-hmm. makes that jump, you know, to create that. Um, I'll give you an example from this year. We had um, a very, very intellectually successful student, mm-hmm. which we didn't get in the beginning. We were getting people who were not fitting into the system. Oh, and now we're getting, you know, a- after a while, they see what we're doing. We're getting different kinds of learners. Mm-hmm. And focusing on um, the different paths to learning is really essential in what we do because, and we'll connect this to education in general, but there are the what learners who sit at the desk and absorb the information mm-hmm. and are very successful in Jewish schools and in many other schools as well. And then there are the why learners who need to ask why are we doing this in order to make meaning? There are the how learners who I think have the hardest time sitting there because they need to you know, create and put together and know how they're putting that together. And then there's also the what if learners, which I'm one of those, which you know, they can listen for a short time, but as soon as something's really interesting, their mind is off creating something with that information. So they may not continue to listen oh, in the class. I identify with that. That's yes, I know. A lot of creatives do. Um, but we find we have all different kinds of learners actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this student was more, had been more of a what learner, and she always went by the rules which is, again, a very rare thing for us to, to get. Um, and she was very troubled by this exercise because she said, well, you know, I've always learned that, you know, I do A, B, C, and D, and those are the answers. Hmm. And I said, you know, we had to say, you know, well, what does it mean to you? Where are you in that picture? Hmm. And to, as a young girl or a young man, um, you know, you're not told that a lot in a yeshiva setting Where's the you in it? Hmm. And what do you have to offer? And what do you think about it? So to put that in together with the learning and connecting it and creates, creates incredible growth. Um, and then to have to create an output that is not about, it's not about your brain. It's not about your intellect. Art isn't about that. You're going somewhere else. You're going hmm. to another dimension that I feel is more spiritual, actually, 
And that's the creative process. Wow. That's funny because, you know, when I hear that, I always think to myself, like, you know, I just wonder sometimes if that's why people think, like, art can be a bad influence, you know, where, because mm -hmm. it's you're very much in a sense like saying, think about you and what, and what you think, and what, you know, and it sounds almost... I think um, I think the times have changed. I think you're aware of that as well with everything you do and everyone you meet. And when we started so hard in our community, and again, we're not in New York, we're not, mm. Pittsburgh's not known to be this like groundbreaking <laughs> hip place. Um, it is a great place. But um, I went to the rabbi in Rebetzin of the community and the rabbi who's not an artist and doesn't know from art responded with, it, it's an idea whose time has come. So the awareness is out there and I've gotten no pushback whatsoever. I'd say the only pushback I've gotten is initially the types of girls who would apply mm -hmm. because they've had no exposure to creativity and they think, oh, okay, if you can draw a picture, then you belong there. <laughs> um, but I believe everybody's creative. We just haven't fostered that in our Jewish world, unfortunately, in the religious Jewish world. Um, and even if we're doing it as artists or bali tshuva, Let's talk about that also in a yeah. bit, because we're not coming from the Balchuva experience here with these girls, um, but the kids aren't getting it, mm. and where are they going to get it? So we have to change the education system from the ground up. They get it in preschool, and, right. <laughs> but they stop after that. They have to sit at a desk, and they don't integrate, and the teachers don't know um, how to teach creatively or about creativity, and and it's seen as maybe bittel Torah, wasting time of learning Torah. So, um, so I'm getting really into the idea of arts integration within Jewish studies, um, this leading toward that. Oh, um, yeah, so that's like something you're, you're trying to... Yeah, we're talking about a second year. To give you a little background from the Balchuva experience as opposed to yeah. the relig growing up religious experience. You're saying from your experience as a Balchuva? Well, mm, I'm, or, oh, well, in general, I mean, yeah. I'm a Balchuva, Balaschuva, but I grew up from... So, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's um it's different when you see from the growing up from and I actually have a story that connects to you. Cool. Oh boy. Yeah, uh -oh. um, and Pap Hasid actually. <laughs> um so in terms of my experience, I'll I'll get there, but in terms of my experience, um I grew up in a modern orthodox community, um going to modern orth they were co-ed schools, but they're modern orthodox schooling. There might have been an art class here or there, but it was the arts that definitely spoke to me and there were not a lot of options at all. And so for me, I always, I, I was doing my what if when the teacher was teaching, I was creating something in my head. So I wasn't fully there and I did well when I had to, cause I could, but I didn't care. <laughs> and, um, eventually I, I went through Stern college. I actually left early cause I, as soon as I could get out of here, great. I went to Stern. I ended up being the first theater major there. They don't really have theater, so I was taking classes outside, and I was an art minor. Um, and I picked the more difficult route, which was theater. And I was not observant for about four or five years. And I was while you were at Stern. No, after. after. Okay. And I was an actor, um, and I I did off Broadway, huh. and um, I studied with some very very good people, people that are probably too old for you to know, but <laughs> Uda Hagen and Mike Nichols, the director. You know him, I mean, maybe first name I know. Mike, Mike Nichols, no, the, uh, uh, Uda, Hagen. Uda Hagen, you've heard. Okay, yeah. cool. And Mike Nichols directed The Graduate, things oh, like that. Okay. So, um, cool. And a man named Paul Sills, who you wouldn't know his name, but he started the first improv theaters 
in the country, like the second city, things like that. So I loved studying all this stuff after not having any of it. And I felt like, wow, I'm really in my element. Like God gave me these gifts and I'm really finally loving what I'm learning. Mm -hmm. And then I also found, well, I also kind of miss my Jewish life. I'm not doing that. And I loved acting and I did pretty well for the short time that I was in it. Um, I had, um, I was part of Actors' Equity Association, etc. But I missed the other piece of myself. And I said, I can't just live for the part that I have. What about in between? What's my life about? So ultimately I did come back to Jewish life. Thank goodness I found uh, Hasidic learning um, and then found Chabad through my husband, but not directly, and uh, said this is the only way I could leave, lead a Hasidic life, and living in a Balchuva community is is really a good way to do it for me, <laughs> um, and a creative one. So, so right. thank God that's worked out. But I'm with students who are growing up, not necessarily in my experience, again, I'm older, different times, but also, for the most part, they're from the Chabad community, and again, branching out to more... Um, uh, Lakewood type um, and modern Orthodox communities. Um, so this happened in year three, actually. I had a bunch of girls who were really charged. And this was the year that they were, the program was finally getting it, the real merge of really creating art and bringing the chassidut into the art. And um, a lot of them were really focused on changing the system that they grew up in. Oh, yeah? And that was the year your article came out about Balshuva's needing to rebel (laughs) against the Orthodox world. (laughs) Okay. So I have a class called Creativity and the Arts, Uh and we read the article in class, Mm. and the girls were really inspired, but they were also really troubled because they said, we're not Balshuva. What are we supposed to do? Uh, I think I remember you bringing this up. Yeah, yeah. So they said, what are we supposed to do? Like, it was burning. It was killing them. And, And they said, are we supposed to leave in order to come back and then change the world. (laughs) So that was a little scary to me because that's what I had done. And I certainly wasn't encouraging that for them, but they were being very honest with themselves and asking that because they were seeing the issues and they wanted to change it. So what was the answer? And and the question was in your article, but it wasn't totally the answer for them because they weren't Bali Chuva. So this, uh, thank God this happened. I, I opened up one of the books of the Rebbe's letters And it was in English, and I don't do that all the time, but I was like desperate. What am I going to tell these girls? And the letter I opened it to said, was, Dear Miss, and it said to Miss, like a young woman somewhere in Hollywood, California, which made it sound artistic in some way. (laughs) And it talked about, um, the letter talked about this girl questioning and wanting to, to go out there and ask those questions. And the Rebbe responded by telling her, you know, you could go do that, but you may never get back in time to live your life. You mm. could go ask, go off the path and go seek out different things, but you may not make it back. And he said, how, how does somebody who has a disease, how do they deal with it? Do they go and try to figure it out for themselves or do they go to people who know and have found the answers? Well, that's the first place you go if you have a medical issue to the experts. So he said, really um, find the Bali Chuva who have done this and through their experiences, um, find the answers for yourself through asking, not through doing. And 
I have to apologize. I'm an actor. So I always did instead of <laughs> thinking. Um, but that was the letter that we read after your piece, wow, um, which, which encouraged them to still make the changes and to still ask the questions, but not necessarily to go off the path in order to do that. I love, oh man, I love that story so much. That is really beautiful. So thank you, because you inspired a lot of questioning and growth. And um, one of those young women is actually still working with us, you know, to wow. change Jewish education. So it's really interesting. So how do you, I wonder, I guess, how do you, uh, have you seen that play out? Like in the sense of, you know, I guess like religious women, religious people kind of, affecting things from within. How does that work? Because, you know, my, my whole, uh, you know, it's funny because with that article, what was interesting to me about the res- those responses was like, you know, I guess I, I always feel like, oh, I can really only speak from my experience. And, and so I was kind of afraid to, to speak to the FFB experience, the people that grew up religious experience. And, um, and partly because I, I've, I don't, especially at that time, I didn't really understand what they're experiencing, what they're going through and all these things. And, um, you know, so I guess my point is that from my perspective, the change as a Balchuva always feels like I'm, no matter what, I always, for better or for worse, I always feel like an outsider, Hmm. Um, especially recently, but that was my own choice. But like, I think, you know, I think either way, Balchuva to a certain extent is always kind of coming from that perspective. And I wonder what it's like I for I think someone. an artist always feels like an outsider, Oh, so you think too. it's in... Right. Um, no, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. And right. I guess there's a piece of me that doesn't have to feel that way. I can choose to feel that way because I kind of did both. <laughs> um, I didn't grow up in the world I'm living in, mm-hmm. per se, but close enough, you know, where I don't have to call myself a complete balchuva. Like, I have the experience of growing up with Shabbat and Kashrut and all of that. Right. And so it's like... In my in my being, um, and and stopping that was actually harder, um, <laughs> but I feel like both, and I kind of get to choose. Um, hmm. I hear what you're saying. I, I do think artists and people who are social activists um, hmm. will always feel that way because we're trying to change the status quo anyway. Um, I don't know if all artists are trying to change the status quo. I think. Um, that's kind of what um, spoke to me more about theater. And I, fine yeah. art can be used that way, I know. But for me, theater was like directly right. um, related to that. Like, right. why do art to change things? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's what's interesting about your comment earlier about women who are thinking like, oh, I can draw, so that makes me an artist. It's not really like, I mean, it's not that it's not art, but... It's only a piece of it. Right, exactly. The, the ability is one thing, but then... I think, you know, something that I always think about when it comes to, you know, when I was talking about like the thread, I, I'm more, I'm thinking about like the mindset of creativity, I think inherently has some sort of pushing against status quo, because the whole idea is kind of breaking limitations and seeing things from a new angle, or at least from a unique angle or a unseen angle. Yeah. Um, you know, there's that Hasidic concept, which is probably my favorite, mm. when you come up to a brick wall, you just jump over it. Yeah. So what I've always, comment. I, I've always <laughs> so related good. to that. Yeah. Um, wow. And it's sometimes just how you're looking at something mm-hmm. that, so the jumping over it might be in your head. Right. Uh, sometimes it's not. <laughs> and I've been hitting my head against the wall in other ways. <laughs> um, 
or against yourself. Sometimes you're in the way. A lot of the time you're in the way. So being an artist is being a vessel. So being the right kind of the vessel at the right time also, and not being in the way of being that vessel. Mm. Um, I heard, I forget who it was because I really don't know opera, but I heard um, a conversation between opera singers about just working on the instrument and polishing it so that you can mm. be that vessel to shine it out and to, and you can think about that with a voice, you know, wow, being a vessel. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think creativity is spirituality. I really believe in that. Wow. Um, I do teach my uh, students from the artist's way, um, which talks about creativity being a spiritual path. Mm. I, I absolutely believe it. Um, in what sense? Like what is it, what makes it spiritual? <clears throat> Um, you know, I do a class with the girls, uh, called creativity in the arts and it's supposed to be an umbrella. It always changes. It's supposed to be kind of a Fabrengan for creativity or an umbrella class for their arts classes and their creative process. So one of the only things I tell them they have to write down all year is about is four words for the creative process. And they're basically, uh, oh, Oh no, aha, ta-da. So in any growth process, Mm. creative process as well, I believe they're the same. Um, We come up against ourselves or a creative problem that needs to be fixed. And our first awareness is that, uh uh-oh. And then the oh no is a longer process. It's, oh no, we have this problem or I have this issue. Um, How am I going to deal with it? Do I have the tools to deal with it? How am I going to create this thing, et cetera? Then the aha comes as we start to gain the tools and start to be aware of what the solution might be. Mm. And then ta-da is the expression of it. I've created it. Here it is. And then, it's, of course, it starts all over again. Wow. But um, so... And so you're saying like that is like a similar experience to a spiritual growth as well? I think any kind of growth. I mean, mm. um, yeah, I mean, spiritual growth is about also looking at ourselves and growing in ourselves and, you know, connecting to God. But whether you're aware of connecting to God or not, getting to your higher self is this. That's why I like how she uh, talks about it in the book. She does mention God. And that's why I think the book really works. Mm -hmm. But even for somebody, it's like a 12-step based book. Um, I think if somebody doesn't talk about God, they're still talking about their higher self and their spiritual growth. Right. whatever they call God. So obviously we're talking about God in our school and in Hasidut, we're certainly talking about our relationship with God, but we're also talking about how does this information psychologically affect me? How do I grow with it? How do I become a better person? How do I, all of that to me is spiritual growth. Well, you know, it's, I actually find that fascinating because, and I think to me, I guess that's where, like now it, makes sense to me what you're saying in terms of spirituality and creativity because I I think intuitively I always felt that and feel that but sometimes hard to put into words but I think what's really fascinating about what you're saying is like that art is not just the malchus it's not just like the the speaking of it it's not just the like you know the paint the act of painting or the act of acting or or any expression it's mm-hmm. they're like all, you you describe like three steps before it's actually expressed and I think that's oh it's the process you right. were talking to I think it was Manashtana about what is Jewish art. Yeah, I think everyone I spoke yeah. about it with. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if that's as important um, as the process. 
as the creative process. Mm. And is that Jewish or not? I think it's universal. It's going to be Jewish if it's our process and we're Jewish. For someone else, else it'll be something else. Sure, I can have a picture of a Rebbe in my painting or mm-hmm. Hasidim dancing. <laughs> or right. um, my girls usually don't make stuff like that. They're making very female-oriented art. Mm-hmm. Um, we have you know, drawings of a, a girl who's grown too big for her house, which is called Leaving Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's wow. a painting of this box that's sealed, mm-hmm. and it's called Boxed Out. It's by um, a student of mine named Esther Adler. Um, and I feel like it's an iconic painting for Zohar mm-hmm. because she was struggling with the ideas of being boxed in. To right. her world and wanting to get out and and see the world, and then she realized if I don't base myself, if I don't grow roots from here, from my box, mm. then I'll just be searching around for other roots. It's very similar to the story that we talked right. about. But if I root myself here in this box, then I can grow out from the box. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, they're iconic and they're universal, and I feel like they're deeply Jewish. But anyone can get them. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting because I think, um, you know, the questions that I think I asked, like the first few people that came on, I think they were, you know, in retrospect, looking back, I think from my perspective, at least, I don't know if I was aware of this, but it seemed to me like I was very product oriented. Like what product of Jewish, like what product will, when it comes out, be like Jewish creativity? And that's like, it's it's funny because that's so against my philosophy, but I think that I love that idea, like that it's it's really the process, the process, and then the product will be what it'll be, right? I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, I think so. Is. I think the product will be what it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, I mean, that mirrors the spiritual aspect of it, that we we have to work on ourselves as much as possible and continue to tap into our neshamas, but, you know, we, we can't, we don't always know exactly what, where that will lead or how that will be expressed, you know. The image of the Tzohar, you know, thank God came to me. Um, Somebody told it to me when we were creating the school. And um, What what image? The uh, Tzohar. So that's the name of the school, but it's from the portion of the Bible of Noah. Mm -hmm. And he's told to build an ark, which sounds cramped and dark and tight for a long time. And, but he's told to build a Tzohar. And that's the only place the word is used. And it's used either, Rashi talks about it as a window or a skylight to let the light in. Mm. And then the alternative idea that he brings up is that it's a stone that shines its precious light out. Mm. So it was a great image for letting the light of creativity into the students' lives, Mm. but also them finding their own unique um, gifts and point of view to then shine out to the world. And I think that's really what's missing in Jewish education, unfortunately, and a lot of education too, but... Product-oriented. Product-oriented, and also we got to learn this much, but not that there's room for the personal and personalizing. And how do you really make a connection with God? That's a personal thing. If you tell me over and over, you know, dress like this, beats new, you know... Right. Cover this, you know, do this, do that. Okay, there are a bunch of rules. It's great. Um, and actually, I'd love to talk about limitations because I think that's a great point in creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not getting to 
It's not getting to the um, personal. They're not given room to personalize. And so bringing, I think, creativity and arts, um, not that the only creativity is in the arts, but the arts teach creativity. Mm -hmm. And um, to bring that into a Jewish classroom where you're studying about ideas of God or you're studying about Jewish tradition or history, and I'd, I'd say in any denomination of any age, that this would work. And this is what we've really found. The combination um, makes the personalization and the personal growth humongous. Wow. That's really beautiful. I mean, I guess that it reminds me, I don't remember the exact line in Perka Avot, but like this idea that someone who, who learns in order to teach, um, I forgot the exact line, but basically the idea is like when we have, when our, mindset when we're learning something or taking something in is also that we mean to express it afterwards. I guess that's like a very creative way of like, or it's creative wording, but I think that that's essentially what the per, that line. Yeah. Per I mean, saying. You, you don't own it till then you don't right, own it till right. you've created something from it. And that's right. what I think our innately are. What if learning knows right. like, okay, you gave me a concept. Now let me go create with it. <laughs> and, and certain people can't wait to do that. Right. Cause you have to take it through. A pro, like an inward process that will result in something. Yeah, coming it's out. not just a bunch of intellect. It's got to filter through me. Right. It's got to come out. Yeah, there's a product. The product will be what it will be. <laughs> um, you know, right. it can be directed to some degree in terms of learning skills and things like that. Um, I think limitations actually are um, are really helpful. We talked about being boxed in, boxed out, but. Um, in terms of Jewish life, there are a lot of limitations. And I think what my students don't know coming in, and I think a lot of people, when they don't know what creativity and art is, mm. they think, oh, I'll just go express myself. Well, <laughs> that gives you the whole world, and then what do I do with that? Um, when they start to learn... You're saying like lack of limitation. Yeah, lack of as... limitations can just kind of numb you and right. have you do nothing. Um can also have you wander all over the place. But as they study each of the arts, they're learning skills and tools of the trade. They're really crafts. So if I'm teaching students about color or if I'm teaching them about acting um, or about writing, any of any of the above, there is tools. There, there are, you don't, you don't just do it. You can. You can come in and just do it, but you can't get better until you learn the tools. So those, and I studied improv, okay? Improv, you'd think, oh, well, that's got to be the most loosey-goosey form out there. Yes and no. Mm. Without having um, a format or a focus, you can't improv. When you have that structure, mm. within that, you can really wow. create in the moment and really live the life. And I, I'd say in improv, I've had a sense of God being present, you know, between people because you are creating on the spot. Right. You're not pre-thinking anything. And I have students who try to come out. I do teach them improv. They come out and they try to pre-think it, but then they get past that and they really get to be in the moment and really feel like what's between us. And I say, park your brain at the door. Your brain is not invited. This is something else. Mm -hmm. And in a way, it's it's your tang spirituality is tangible. We walk around early on. They think I'm nuts. <laughs> First of all, I make them play in a circle. So they have to play. And we do mm -hmm. something called passing the clap where they just oh. face each other. But it's about giving and receiving and being open to that. Mm -hmm which you know, breaks through a lot. And then I have them go around the room and touch an object. And I say, feel the object now. 
let the object feel you. And at first, and then look at the object, let the object see you. They're really weirded out at first, but then, but then they kind of get it. I'm just a bunch of FFP Chabad well, like, people. Yeah, like, well, actually, that. they signed up to come to Sohar. Right, so, so there's that, an openness there's to that. There's that, right. but yes and no. Some right, girls are like, really freaked out by yeah, it. Yeah, wow. Um, but, I love that. That's so cool. But it is about giving and receiving and being open to it and not getting your brain in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the point of why I went into it, there it's, are focuses, even to an exercise like that, there's a focus and a structure. That's what allows you to leave your brain at the door because Absolutely. you have that limitation. It allows you to play, it allows you to be open, it la- allows you to receive from someone else and really be there with right. someone else. I guess that's why they structure improv so much like as a game, right? Because then there are rules to games. And, there are... and that's what we're leaving behind when we leave preschool because we're not leaving any room for play. Mm. Um, any room for breathing, any room for owning it. We're not leaving room for the socialization that happens. We're taking the emotion out of the learning so that kids who need more expression emotionally cannot focus intellectually. Wow. So, so there's so much that we're leaving out that you might have had, maybe, I don't know, like it's different times and there's, there's <clears throat> but you might have in, in a public school had more of that, but maybe not. I think they're talking about integrating arts into all kinds of learning, but I just imagine if we could do it with our Jewish learning, how amazing that would be. Right. I mean, well, it's interesting with like public schooling, just in the sense that in general, the, I think people see it as like, well, the first thing to go is arts, especially in public schools. Um, But like, I was lucky that my high school was very arts oriented and because yeah, I was very lucky and I had like, I get jealous when I hear that. Oh. <laughs> I'm jealous of myself back then. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, we had a, like a great acting program. And I, I, that's why I like, I love hearing about improv. I wish I was good at improv. but <laughs> I, I'm sure uh, you could be. I'm, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love it though. And I think that my, that was like me personally, I feel like that was the seed for any like creativity that I got excited about afterwards. Um, but the reason I bring that up is I guess it definitely, I think that, to me, what's missing even more, even in that context where art is encouraged, is that the spiritual aspect of art is you really can't have that outside of a religious environment. I mean, you could, but I'm saying that it doesn't, in a public school, it, it would be hard to integrate that in a sense. And I think that that's well, what... Well, I think that's what we have to offer the world. Right. And exactly. I think that's, when we talk about being a light to the nations, we've been missing the boat. Mm. Because yes, we have the content, but we have not been communicating it very well. And even the artists that can, the individual artists that can, there's still something missing until kind of our whole, I, be, I believe our whole community can get with the creative process and open that up. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're really going to be able to share what we have to offer the world. So, because I think it does break down those, it does create bridges. Mm-hmm. Again, a work of art. Um, whether it be a film or a piece of music or, you know, anybody can approach that if it's good. Right. Well, I think, um, you know, what I found, this is like a theory of creativity is that the essence of creativity is combining two seemingly unrelated things into one. I don't know if I would completely agree with that, but I think what I love about that idea is that it's like, it's defining creativity by making it a bridge. It's defining like this way of thinking is about connecting things that don't seem like they should be together, you know? I hear that. I, for me, it comes from often a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's the activist part of me. 
Like well, thinking, that's what you said. That's how, what was the uh-oh thing? Uh-oh, yeah. Well, right. there's a lot of uh-ohs in different <laughs> departments. You know, you only see the uh-ohs that you get to see, right? <laughs> um, so mine's about Jewish education because that was my experience. Clearly, mm-hmm. I left. You know, so you saying um, you saw a problem there, and that was... yeah. I mean, I see other problems too, but <laughs> <laughs> what am I prepared to do? And I'm doing a lot of things in creating this school. Um, there were a lot of things required of me that I do not know how to do, that I am not trained. And somebody says, "Sure, you're trained because you're trained in improv, so you could just go with it." <laughs> okay, right. that worked up to a point, <laughs> but um, I would like to focus on the things that I I can do, and that you know, and focus back on that. Um, but sometimes the need to create a community or a mm-hmm. change comes first. Um, and being part of that has been extremely, extremely gratifying. Um, and it takes a past me. It's, you know, um, I could be creating art on my desk at home. I was writing screenplays before I did this mm-hmm. and saying, what's the point of this? I, I had a theater group after I became from, and then I started creating films and I was getting really into that, but I kind of said, well, that feels a little pointless. Where's it reaching? Maybe to a certain degree. So this feeling of seeing my daughters growing up with the same question, who are talented, they're singers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this if I only solve it for me, right. then where's it going? So, um, it, so you're it's, saying that was like, <clears throat> it was the there impetus. was a creativity involved in that, in that sense, because it started from this... Yeah, I mean, I feel like I haven't been a, a typical artist anymore. I've been working on creating mm-hmm. this space and creating this program to enable other people to um, access their creativity, which is great, but you get drained also. you got to <laughs> fill your own well. <laughs> right. Um, but that, I mean, certainly requires, I imagine, an immense amount of creativity because it's... Oh, yeah, <laughs> different, different kinds, right. you know, different right. kinds of creativity, things that I you know, are not in the artistic realm. Um, and, and a lot of other people who have a lot of other skills. I mean, certainly Rabbi Herman, who comes in with his skills, and a whole bunch of people who work together. Mm-hmm. And, and we're learning. We really need to get the people who are good at what they're good at and stop doing the things we're not good at. <laughs> <And I laughs> so it's, it's hard yeah. when you start something. You just kind of do everything at first, mom and pop shop, and then you right. have to grow past that. So yeah, that's kind of like exactly where we're at. There too. Wow, yeah. that's really cool. That's yeah. awesome that you're getting. I mean, that's really great. Yeah, um, so hopefully we'll keep going. It's scary sometimes, but um, this thing about limitations, I, I actually share, I, this probably won't be on before Passover, but it is a pre-Passover thing that I share with the students. It'll be on before the next Passover. At the next <laughs> Passover, yeah. Um, that we, we kind of create a picture on the board of places let's say if they were going to be a performer or an artist of a different kind, what obstacles would they have if they were observant Jewish young women um, in the arts? What different obstacles would they have? And they come up with different halachic things, like keep observing the Sabbath and keeping kosher and for them singing in front of men, etc. Different things. And we kind of create two columns and we talk about also, you know, the Jews leaving Egypt. Mm-hmm. And that concept is a very Hasidic concept, leaving your own Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, they get up to the, the sea, and what are they supposed to do? Some want to run back, some want to pray, some mm-hmm. want to commit suicide, some want to give up. And the answer is really just keep going. Mm-hmm. But how do you keep going if you don't see the path ahead of you? What creates the path? Mm-hmm. So, again, this little jump over the wall, if... 
what creates the path sometimes is where you can't go. So if I can't go here oh, wow. and I can't go there, <laughs> I can go here and here in this path in between that. And I just take it one step at a time. So it's scary sometimes when you're creating something new and you know that because mm. you create new things all the time. <laughs> and I'm very impressed um, with all the new things that you create, but you with that, uh oh, aha, uh, oh no, aha, ta da. Right. You just keep going step by step on that path. But what helps you narrow that are the places that you don't go. And rather than feeling, which I did for a long time, I mean, I had an acting career that I stopped right. in order to be observant. And that limitation, and I really just studied acting. I didn't study filmmaking, I didn't study writing, I, you know, but that limitation made me have to go forward in other ways. And that's true for my students. It's true for everyone that the limitations are what guides us, guide us. So that's so interesting. I wonder, like, I want to, I'm just, you know, I guess I w I'm curious on a more, I don't know if down to earth is the right way, but more social mm -hmm. way. I'm curious how you deal with, I mean, it sounds like I hear the the theory of it, mm -hmm. but I'm curious, like, especially for limitations that really affect, like, for example, like you're talking about acting mm -hmm. and things like that, For and especially since you deal with women, and they they have very um, more specific limitations when it comes to those things, like you're saying, like, can't sing in front of men. Or, or dance. Or dance in front of men. And or, I do have singers and dancers, right. really, really talented ones. Right. Um, is that... I mean, what's that like? How do you guide someone in that? I'm, I'm very, I mean, I would imagine a lot of our listeners are really curious about that, you know? Um, it's something I wonder there's, about myself. There's different, I think, I think it's what's propelling each of them. They're, they're not necessarily growing up in a place where that's bothering them oh, so right. much. That's a good point. Um, yeah. So that's one aspect. But there are those who, who are bothered by it and really frustrated and really talented. Right. Um, and I, we do talk a lot about what is the ideal? What is your talent given to you for? Mm -hmm. Is it to be on Broadway? <laughs> is that the main goal? Is it to be in movies? You know, is that your main goal? What is your gift? God gave you this gift. He also gave you your observe, your religion, you know, your Torah. Mm -hmm. And you know that you have both of those. You're not taking one over the other. You're taking them both. Mm -hmm. And for me especially during the time that I was not observant, they came head to head right. and I was choosing one over the other. And then it felt when I gave up the acting and observed the Sabbath again, mm -hmm. and that last play that I gave up, I, I was actually walking to the theater mm -hmm. and trying to observe the Sabbath and do theater at the same time. And at the end of that play, I just said, that's, that's it. Mm -hmm. And I did not know where it would lead. It's really kind of in a way, letting God in your life because you're giving up your control of that. And you're also saying, I know I have a gift. I've developed this gift, mm -hmm. but maybe that's not the main goal to be on Broadway. Maybe it's for something else. And I couldn't have guessed Sohar back then ever, wow. you know? So I, I don't know what else is in store. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's a lot more um, ahead for me, for student, for my students, for for everyone. So yeah, there are restrictions. Um, obviously, for those who don't keep them, they have something else that they're dealing with. But for those that do um, adhere, they're using their talents for something else. And I wouldn't say that one goal is higher than the other. We may be 
coming up with new stuff that hasn't been done before. And I do feel that it's led me toward focusing more on education where I never saw myself as an educator. I saw myself and do still see myself as an artist Mm -hmm. and now a teaching artist. But, um, but I want to change education now. I want it changed. (laughs) Um, I think it's really important and that was not my original goal. (laughs) So I don't know if I'm in control of this process and this creative process and the spiritual process. I don't think I am. Uh, just step one, one, one foot in front of the other with it, I guess. Yeah, that's really cool. So it's like, I guess, I mean, I, I, I find that idea really interesting because the idea is basically um, goal-oriented to a certain extent as opposed to, or at least defining goals a little bit better is what it sounds like. Like, because I, I would, I, I, and I think that's another thing that I, I personally think that religion, spirituality offer, you know, because if, if, art is your only goal, then you're right. Like, I guess Broadway or whatever becomes your goal. But if you're thinking, you know, what is my spiritual goal as well, then, I mean, that no matter what, that's going to change things for you, whether you have these restrictions, quote unquote, or not, you know. Art is nice. <laughs> I don't know if it's the end. I think it's just mm-hmm. kind of the kickoff. Like when you see something that's written really well mm-hmm. in Havria or a great painting or a great song, it's just the beginning. It's kind of what it hits and people and then how they take it forward. So art is just a piece of it, of our process. Um, I don't know. There's no real end. I don't think. Yeah. That's great. Um, are you hoping that your work will end up, is it something that you want specifically within so or I guess outside of it to be affecting people Younger and younger, like because I know you start with eighteen, but it seems like logical in the sense that that's when people are yeah. leaving seminary. Um, we but. talked about starting a second year this year, this coming year. Uh-huh. Um, so right now it's just one year. Right, right near, right now it's one year. We're uh-huh. talking about, and we'll see where we're at. But um, starting a second year, which is more focused on education, where the girls continue to study uh, Jewish studies, focused on Hasidus, they continue to study the arts. And they take on the education piece, and we're starting to look at integrative like to become models. Educators, well, or? either to become educators or to affect educators. Okay. And I don't know if this is an end goal career, but I think we got to break open our our mindsets and our boxes and go bigger. Um, I think uh, that what they're getting at Sohar prepares them for this, but we have to take it a step further. And we had three madrichot two years ago, who did that. It took them away from their being madrichot, their uh, counselors for the the younger girls. But um, (coughs) what they did was they created a Parsha through the arts. So a Torah portion of the week Mm -hmm. through the arts. And they would go into um, yeshiva schools of Pittsburgh, girls grade one through six. We started with the girls, more accessible for them. (laughs) And um, they did... uh, a lesson from the Torah portion that the teacher was teaching about the Torah portion, but they'd come in with a specific focus from that Torah portion and they teach an art lesson. Mm. So the class might be a dance class. It might be a class in music. It might be in drawing. They're teaching some element of art and it changed per week that then taught the lesson of the Parsha. For example, uh, a lesson in dance, which is kinesthetic. They learned about levels and repeti- repeti- repetitive motion 
and they'd have to, in a circle, <coughs> they'd have to, one would teach her dance to the person to her right and make sure that she got it. And the person to the right would have to learn it and repeat it. And then she would pass on her dance to the next person, her, the dance that she had created. So after this dance lesson, they sat down and they learned about Moshe passing on the leadership to Yehoshua. So when we first created this and first thought about this, we, ha- we got chills because kinesthetically you have in your body oh, wow. a sense of leadership being passed on, my responsibility of getting these moves the right way. This is how I have to pass it on and make sure that you've gotten it. Mm. And for the one receiving it to really make sure I've gotten it in the correct way that I own it and that I can pass it on. Mm. So to get that through a lesson of the arts is taking it out of, oh yeah, I know that in my head into, I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and using the different arts in different ways, obviously. But That really reminds me of lamplighters, I guess, because that's kind of what they do. As yeah, well. I, I love what they're doing and they're doing it early on. And it's not necessarily just arts. It's all creative, Montessori kind of things. But I think we also need to correct the schools that we've got. Right. We can't all start from the bottom up, um, which I, I totally admire the school and wish right. they were all that way. But I think there are ways that we have to fix what we have. And I think... Are you feeling like that's happening? No, I feel like I feel like it's got. Okay. I feel like it's it's the need, and I think there's awareness, and I do feel like oh, so it's the next step. And you, so, something I would like to do is to start in Pittsburgh um, with our students, going in and doing that, like that Parsha through the arts, but going through and maybe a couple of girls, young students, being aides to the teachers, going through the Jewish curriculum. And saying, what can we utilize? How can we teach the arts, teach that lesson through the arts hmm. and bring the arts in here? And it doesn't have to be the whole lesson. That little dance class I told you about might just be a spinoff for sitting there and really getting the lesson in a deeper way. It's like a kickoff, hmm. you know, to really taking it in. Or it might be a whole lesson that's more socially oriented where, you know, you're doing improv dance to express a whole lesson, etc. Um, dance, art. Um, but to integrate it and not to feel like I'm wasting time, but I'm using more of my student. My student's going to own these lessons. And these are, if these are things that are important to us as a Jewish people, shouldn't we be teaching them in a way that's more lasting and more loving and more joyous and more a sense of each child's ownership? So yeah, I think we got to start young, but I think we also can address this in different ways for different age groups, for adults as well. Why can't, I mean, obviously in a different way, but using creativity and the arts as a a forum for that um, to pass on and to share and to explore Jewish identity and relationship with God. And that could be any, any um, denomination. Why does it just have to be Orthodox? It's so I really feel like creativity in the art is a, a tool to break down um, boundaries, um, intercommunity, and of course, obviously that gets bigger. That can get bigger as well. I, I've been part of a group for 25 years probably, which is the only theater that I continued to do, which was called Pittsburgh Playback Theater. Mm. And it was my only non-Jewish focused art that I continue to do. I call it my humanistic art. Um, and there are playback theaters all over the world. And basically it's improv and we play back the audience's stories and feelings through improvisation. Wow. So 
you know, you can have a focus group, like we worked with social workers or educators, et cetera, or we've had forums where it was about a topic and different people would share their thoughts and feelings about a topic and we'd play it back for them. And it's very healing. It's very human. It's a way of sharing um, and breaking down boundaries. And I think that's what art is really about. Um, so I think we needed in the Jewish world to get there. Right. We need to break them down amongst ourselves, within ourselves, and also to start making connections and sharing what we're supposed to be sharing, because we were given this Torah that needs to be shared in more um, creative ways than it's being shared. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, we're almost out of time. That was so wonderful. Um, you have any any events or anything coming up that you want to share with us or anything you want to... Every year of Sohar is an event. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We just did this amazing Israel trip that Mm -hmm. we never did before. Um, So we're coming off of that and seeing, you know, where Israel has done some of this that we haven't done here in the U.S. So that was cool. I don't know how that's going to feed the program. Um, Yeah, I mean, just to kind of check out the ongoing a website of Sohar Seminary, soharseminary.com. And we have a Facebook page, which is updated sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you can look at Sohar Seminary on Facebook as well. And it's I, T-Z-O-H-A-R? T-Z-O-H-A-R Seminary. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have conversations with people about their creative experience and mm-hmm. certainly bringing Torah and art together and making a difference um, through both of them. So... Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you us. for having me, Ella. Yeah, it was great. To it's have. nice to be part of something bigger that I didn't have to push through on my own <laughs> and uh, to just be part of something really um, is very meaningful to me. Thank you so, so much. Thank I, you so much for having me. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Hivriya Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hevria.com or facebook.com slash hevriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again. Ka